Hey everyone, I am Matt Williamson. This episode is brought to you by Live Casino as always, and we kind of an extra podcast this week before kickoff, and we'll be short one after. So, folks, it's all going down at the FanDuel Sportsbook and Lounge at Live Casino, where you can get in on all the action this football season. Bet on your teams with a sportsbook rep or at our self-service kiosks, and then jump into the stadium on our giant 40-foot video wall. How's that for a touchdown? Join your friends at Live Casino Pittsburgh, Route 30 at the Westmoreland Mall. Bet, watch, and win. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I figured we would talk about, very, very slightly, the upcoming opponent after this, what they did today. I'm recording this Sunday night, and just to pull back the curtain, as usual. Real quick, Atlanta is next on the schedule. Very simply, they lost a run game against Washington. It's the only way Atlanta can play. They don't have a very good run defense. Their whole offense is running the football. Washington was just better at it today. End of story. That's what you need to know so far about Atlanta. Uh, that's, that's what they do. If they're the better running team, they will win. If not, they will lose. They were the worst one today. So what I want to do next is go around the three divisional games, how they how they played out, where those teams are at. And then the second half, I got a couple more nuggets about Steelers-Colts. So Bengals get a big 20-16 to 16 win over the Titans. The Bengals are now 7-4. and four. Quick note, just in case I forget, before today, and it's going to hold true, the Bengals basically have the hardest schedule in the league going forward. The Ravens basically have the easiest schedule in the league going forward. But I think Cincinnati is the clearly better team of those two. This is a huge win without Jamar Chase, who we thought might play, without Mixon. As I've been telling you, Burrow's playing at an elite level against a very tough team to play against. Tennessee isn't super talented, but they are unbelievably physical, really difficult team to play against. T. Higgins, again, was a star. It's not just against the Steelers. Um, Coverages that were designed to take him away. He continually made tough catches, wide receiver one-like stuff. Um, very, very impressive by Burrow, Higgins, and their line starting to come together as well. Uh, P. Ryan played well, as, as, as he did against the Steelers, too. It was hard to tackle. Um, some of those backs, you know, that don't get an early workload and have pretty fresh legs, have some uh, burst to them still. You know, P. Ryan wasn't used much before the last two weeks. Um, a huge key here for the Bengals. Henry had a, Derrick Henry had a, a huge play, but it was a catch and run that he took down to like the one yard line. But other than that, did nothing in this game. I mean, they kept Derrick Henry to 2.2 yards per carry. Impressive. Made the Titans throw 34 times. Not at all their recipe. I mean, not at all the Titans recipe. And I mentioned, you know, I mean, the Titans remind me so much of the Patriots and the, the Belichick roots from Vrabel. But a couple special teams things here were, were tough on them late, too. They had a the rookie kicker uh, missed a late, missed a late uh, field goal try here. And then Kevin Strong, I actually have a real problem with this, was, pen, was penalized for contacting the long snapper on a late Bengals field goal, gave the Cincinnati a fresh set of downs, and then they basically just kneeled it away. So it, it squashed any chance the Titans would have had. I kind of have some problems with the rules. I mean, are we now protecting long snappers? I mean, I think the league can go on with a long snapper injury or two. I know that's not how they have, why they have the rule, but still, to call that there, I had a problem with. 
But the Bengals were the better team. I think they're the best team in the division. Um, Jacksonville gets a 28-27 win over the Ravens. Ravens had a four-game winning streak coming in there. Um, Their offense really worries me, though. I mean, it's night and day without their star left tackle, Ronnie Stanley, who at this point I I think we need to question if he's ever going to be the same. It's unfortunate. I mean, they signed him to a huge contract, played the Steelers. He gets hurt in that Steeler game, you know, two days after signing his his huge contract, and has never been the same. So that's a big problem for them, as is their passing game. I think their backs, I mean, everyone touches the ball besides Lamar, are pretty pedestrian except for Andrews. They had red zone problems. Uh, It wasn't the case the month before this, but they've had a lot of problems this year putting teams away, and that was a huge thing here. There were 33 points scored in the fourth quarter of of Ravens-Jags. I mean, craziness. This isn't a divisional note, but a big, big showing by Trevor Lawrence. Kind of a breakout, put him on the map. You know, trajectory amongst the AFC quarterbacks is really looking strong for Lawrence. They hit a two-point conversion late in the game to win it. But, of course, I mean... I, this made me crazy. Is that they go up one after hitting the two pointer, and I always preach, kick it in bounds. There's like 13 seconds on the clock or whatever, just so you get the clock running. And they did, and they kick it to Ricard, the 300 pound fullback. But he has some ball carrying skills, and they just didn't kick it far enough. I mean, they kicked it to like the 35 or 40, as opposed to kick it to the two or three. You know, so of course. The Ravens have a play, pick up a couple yards, and then they try to throw Justin Tucker out there to make it interesting. And he was a couple yards short on a 67-yard field goal. But still, it's like a small little thing. Like the Jags make kick it down to the 10, not the 30. You know, I mean, with no time on the clock. So especially with Tucker out there, he's the scariest guy in the world. Um, Browns get an overtime win over the Bucks. I was thinking this was going to be the Bucks come out of bye, turn the corner, look like a contender. That's probably never going to happen this year. But a big win by the Browns. Um, a big picture here. I thought Jacoby Brissett was really good in, in these 11 games without Deshaun Watson, who now Watson comes back next week against the Texans sort of coincidentally, his old team that are by far the worst team in the league. So even if he has some rust, after 700 days of not playing, 700 days for Deshaun since he played, um, but still great team to play against, let alone the Houston factor. But Brissett really played well in the stretch, and I'm a fan. I, I thought it was a, a great showing by him. Whether he sticks around Cleveland or whatever, I mean, he's going to start a lot more games in his career. Um, This game goes to overtime. I thought for sure Brady's going to win this thing in overtime. Give the Browns credit, though. I mean, they they stuck around, played well. David Njoku had a uh, touchdown catch that might have been the catch of the day. I'm a big Njoku fan. Um, Njoku tied this game at 17 with that touchdown. Um, Brissett also hit Cooper, Amari Cooper late in the game for a long one, a 46 yarder. Nick Chubb goes and takes it into the touchdown to, you know, to win this thing in overtime. Um, Chubb was great in this game as he pretty much always is. 
not making excuses against the Browns, but it did help that the Bucs got hit really hard in this game with secondary injuries, as well as losing Tristan Wirfs, who's by far their best offensive lineman. Stud, stud, right tackle. If I was building an offensive line going forward, I think Wirfs would be my first overall pick. But Browns are 4-7. and seven. Um, I guess they're not quite dead yet with Watson returning. Can they win the rest of their games though to get to 10 and seven or only one loss and get to nine and seven and get in the playoffs. I think that's a little pie in the sky for the the Brownies, but that's where they're at. Uh, We'll be back here in a minute. The uh, second half of the pod probably won't be as long, but there's just a couple things I want to touch on. Uh, We'll be back here in a moment. Alright, I am picking the Steelers to win this game. Low scoring, 2017, 18-15. I mean, I think it's going to be a low scoring tight game. The more I think about it, even though I'm not a Matt Ryan believer, I worry about the Colts receivers. Uh, and more so than that, I'm worried about the Steelers' corners. Um, their variety of receivers is... I don't want to say daunting, but can't be overlooked. Uh, we saw T. Higgins rip these guys up last week. If you read my article, we're seeing good receivers rip up the corners week after week. The one thing I didn't mention in that article, because I didn't have real firm numbers, but the Steelers are also one of the softest teams in the league versus slot receivers this year. Slot receiver production versus the Steelers is very high. Um, that could be the case in this one as well. Um, of course, as we talked about last week, you just can't let Taylor take over the game, but his presence could lead to a lot of man coverage and a lot of one-on-ones for those receivers. So is Pittman, Pierce, Campbell, the best trio in the world? No, but neither was Higgins, Boyd, and some guy I'd never heard of, you know, and if if you're going to dedicate all those resources to Taylor, which you need to do, Ryan will complete passes against those corners. So that worries me a little. Uh, on the other side of the ball, just a quick synopsis of what you'll see. DeForest Buckner is a great player, um, probably on that Cam Hayward spectrum in terms of several defensive tackles behind Aaron Donald, but certainly a top 10 player at his position easily. Super long arms, powerful, plays with leverage despite extreme length, height. Um, he has an advantage over anyone on the Steelers' interior. Uh, especially Mason Cole, I would be in my opinion, because of his power. Uh, that'll come more on throwing downs when he lines up off the nose. Uh, their edge guys are athletes. I mean, they have an athletic advantage over the Steelers' tackles, especially Dan Moore. Um, Dockway has been around the block. Quiddy pays an athlete who's rounding into shape. Their length at linebacker is obvious, especially when Leonard's out there. But they want linebackers that are 6'2 with arms like condors because they play a lot of zone and it just makes those zones a little bit harder to fit the ball into. Things like that matter. I mean, just 
two more inches of arm length if you're playing a lot of zone or throwing it over their heads or crossing routes, things like that. It's tough against this defense because the, the size and dimensions as well as the movement skills of their linebackers, particularly in zone and reading things and passing things off to one another. And as I told you, it's a very solid secondary. It's an underrated group of safeties. Gilmore's not back to defensive player of the year type of guy, but he's having a very good year. Their slot corner, Moore, is a very good player. He'll also bounce outside, so he never really leaves the field. It's a defense that doesn't have something to target. You know I mean, so that's a little concerning. I'm most interested to see Pickett against such a defense and Pickens and Najee and Fryermuth. And I will, uh, I think I said this Friday, I expect a monster game from Fryermuth. Tight ends is really, I guess that is the one thing, is tight ends have really eaten these guys up. Um, and I think Fryermuth does the same. But I'm picking the Steelers. Um not a big Matt Ryan believer, but it's more of a Tomlin over Saturday thing, especially on Monday night. Low scoring game, probably around 40 total points, something like that. And I think the Steelers get a sneaky win. But there you have it. Uh, over and out. Next time I talk to you, we will have a Steeler game to break down. So there's that.